I'm thankful for the uh, opportunity to get to uh, preach to y'all tonight. Uh, I was telling Brandon, uh, he was saying, well, it must be Memorial Day. There's not, not a whole lot of folks here, but I said, you know what? The right folks are here. Amen. So um, we're going to go ahead and hop in right into the scripture uh, this evening. This, mo- this morning, Clayton preached and did about a 27-minute intro. Uh, I'm not even going to do an intro. Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and hop into the uh, scripture. We're in Ephesians 5.18 uh, this evening. If you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen. In Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. I know what some of you are thinking. You picked a Sunday night to preach to a bunch of Baptists about not drinking. That's probably what you're thinking. I, I promise you we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the get drunk, but it's appropriate. And we're going to spend more time on the getting, uh, making sure that we're spirit-filled and the, find, figure out the implications of that. Um, I want to start out with one, one main point, and it's the main point that I want us to carry through the whole sermon. And, and I want it to, uh, I want to filter, that was Blake Sheldon, I want to filter uh, I want us to all to filter what we hear through this main point. That main point is to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that we are living a life that is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay? Let me pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to proclaim your word. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move tonight, uh, that you would pierce our hearts with your word. Father, that you would uh, give us open ears and a convicted heart and so that we can leave here ready and equipped to be Christ followers. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you look at this verse, it's, uh, you put, go ahead and put Ephesians 5.18 back up there, Brian. If you look at this verse, you'll notice that it pretty much has two parts. It's two commands for us as Christians. And the first part is, do not get drunk on wine, and it has a consequence associated with it. So you have a do, you have a don't command, and a do command, and the first part is associated with a consequence. And that consequence of getting drunk is it leads to debauchery. Uh, Debauchery is a word we don't necessarily use a whole lot, but it just means a a sinful lifestyle of sexual immorality or drinking or or whatever. Um, And then the, uh, the second part is the do command, and it's we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So we as Baptists, a lot of times we like to focus on the first part, not necessarily on the second part. And we'll, we'll load our guns with, uh, you, you know, we're not supposed to drink, uh, which that's not saying, it's just saying don't be drunk. And then we'll forget about the part that is where God commands us, listen, we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, um, and so as we look at this verse, um, let's look at the first part. And it says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Anytime you read the Bible, this is just good uh, hermeneutics is what they call it, actually. I, just, I couldn't think of anything else. But it's when you're studying the Bible, it's just good to look at certain things, um, like the historical and cultural backgrounds of who Paul is writing that to. Um, we didn't know who Paul is writing this message to. It's, it's very important. And so this, 
obviously being in Ephesians, he's writing it to a church or the group of churches in Ephesus. And so when you read the Bible, you need to know, who, who's Paul writing this letter to? Okay, is it a bunch of, you know, is it a church? Is it one single person? Is it, you know, are they Jews? Or are they Gentiles? Um, if it's the Old Testament, are they, is this written to, you know, the children of Israel? So it's very important to figure out who, who Paul is addressing here. He's addressing the, the church in Ephesus, the Ephesians. Um, and so we need to know the cultural and historical background of the Ephesians so we can understand why, is, of all the sins, of all the sins that we com- commit, why is Paul addressing don't get drunk with wine? Okay, the backstory. Y'all, anybody heard the term backstory? Is that familiar? Some of y'all? Okay, let me explain backstory. Um, backstory is, well, I'll just, I'll tell you, I was watching CMT or GAC, one of those country music um, TV programs, and they were doing, and it was actually turned backstory, and they were doing a backstory on Blake Shelton. How many of y'all know who Blake Shelton is? Everybody's got to know who Blake Shelton is. This is an early picture of Blake Shelton here. Blake Shelton, country music singer, singer of the year, I think this year, big um, star of The Voice. He's one of the judges on The Voice. Um, this is one of the early pictures of him. I did not, I didn't feel like I know, I knew who Blake Shelton was until I saw him with a permed mullet. Um, I really didn't feel like I knew who he was. And now you know the backstory of Blake Shelton. You know, you, you know how, how far he's come because you see his hair. He's got a good looking head of hair now. But you see how far he's come just by looking at his hairdo. Goodness sakes. All right, let's get that, let's get that off there. We'll go back to the verse. People to pay attention. All right, so the backstory. The backstory on the church in Ephesus um, is this. They, Ephesus was a multicultural, um, very multicultural city um, with lots of Greek influence. And so um, God saved them from idol worship. They had a heavy Greek influence. They worshiped um, gods and goddesses, just like all, you know, in Greek mythology. And so a lot of them worshiped the god um, Diosis. And this, this Greek god was the god of the wine or god of the wine harvest. So you see where we're going with this? So he, he puts in here, don't get drunk with wine like you used to do. All right? And wine was a big part. Now, they would go to church, okay? And basically, when you walk through those back doors, they'd give you a bottle of wine. Okay? And I know we'd probably, get, we'd probably have more people here tonight if we had that. But. So they get, they get a bottle of wine, and, and they, they were encouraged to drink. You became spiritually in touch with this God and filled with the Spirit. You see where he's going with this? When you drank and you became drunk, and you became one with the Spirit of this God. And so that's what Paul is saying here. So it would be like, it would be like this. If we, oh, I'll, I'll tell you this other interesting fact. This is why you need to know the culture and historical background. The, the Romans... The Romans called this god that they worshipped Bacchus. Does that sound familiar? Y'all right? People from New Orleans remember that? Okay, that's the big parade that's in Mardi Gras. Okay? And so it would be like God calls me to New Orleans to plant a church. I'm Paul. God calls me to New Orleans. He says, Jeremy, I want you to go to New Orleans and I want you to plant a church. I'm saying, okay, God, let's go. And so, whoa, hold on. When you get down there, it's about Mardi Gras. I want you to go down to Bourbon Street okay, during the Bacchus parade, and I want you to preach the gospel, and people are going to get saved, okay, and that's how I want you to start your church, and I'd be like, God, these, you know, these people are a bunch of, you know, no offense, but they're drunk heathens, he said, I know, you preach the gospel, and 
go get saved, and that's what I want you to build your church on. And so that's what Paul was dealing with here. He's a bunch of Mardi Gras converts, you know? And, and so that's why, out of all the sins that Paul could have picked, he said, don't get drunk on wine, you know? You're, you're bought with a price, okay? You are not who you used to be. You're born again. And he says, don't get drunk with wine like you used to. Remember how that led to debauchery? Instead, I want you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? Um, let's get into this next part, which is the word filled. It's a small, world, small word with great implications for us tonight. Um, before we do that, let's, uh, let's, I want to do a little Holy Spirit um, house cleaning because there's a lot of different ideas about what the Holy Spirit is, you know, who the Holy Spirit is. Um, Brian, we got that list? Okay. All right. The first one is the Holy Spirit is a person and not an it. Very important. Very important. The Bible ascribes emotions to the Holy Spirit, um, a will. Um, you can quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't quench and grieve an it, okay? So the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, he is not uh, this mysterious force that kind of floats around. Uh, he is the third member of the Trinity. Very important. Um, another very important thing, we receive all the Holy Spirit that we're ever going to get when we give our lives to Christ. That's exciting. There's no second filling. There's no you know, being baptized in the Spirit. There's, you get all the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. So um, one of the big questions is not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have, but rather how much of the Holy Spirit has of you. That's, that's a really important question that we're going to ask. Um, let's see here. In, so there's three facets here. I'm going to put up those three facets, Brian, of the word filled. And we find the word filled all throughout the New Testament and, and a lot in Ephesians. And it's to be influenced by and to be permeated by and to be dominated by. All right, each one of these has a sort of a word imagery in its meaning. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the first one there. To be influenced by, this is a picture of a huge sailboat with big sails, okay? It's being driven through the water by, by what? By, by wind. And so you have these huge sails that are, that are filled and influenced by the way the wind is blowing, okay? If you've got a sailboat and the wind's not blowing, what's the problem? You ever seen those? They'll drop the uh, outboard motor. You know, they'll have this big sailboat, and they'll have an outboard motor on the back, you know, and they'll drop that thing in the water, and they'll go, you know. If you don't have wind, your sailboat is not going anywhere. If you don't have the wind of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not going anywhere. You're dead in the water. Okay, let's go to the second one. All right, to be permeated by. It's the picture of a sponge, you know, a new dry sponge being thrust down into a bucket of water and filled and pulled back out and, and what happens you know that sponge is like 10 or 11 times heavier than it was and it's full of water and the water's dripping everywhere we're supposed to be permeated and, and overfilled with the holy spirit all right let's let's do the third one this is my favorite one right here this is for you clayton y'all recognize that's tony romo there getting dominated by the saints That's the picture of our life. We're supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be dominated, completely under the control of the Holy Spirit. All right? 
And we don't like this as humans. We really don't like this as Americans. You know, it's like, it's like it needs to be Burger King. I want it my way all the time. You know, like the buffet, I'll pick and choose what I want. We're supposed to be dominated, completely dominated by the Holy Spirit. There's a few verses um, that I want to read to you. In Luke 5, 26, as Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and healed a paralyzed man, the people were astonished and were what? And were filled with fear. Filled with fear. Okay, put the verse back up on there, uh, Brian Ephesians or something. They'll be thinking about the Cowboys, especially Clayton. I won't have him for the rest of the time. And so we can be filled with emotions. So we're all, the title of my message, by the way, was we're all filled with something. Okay? We're all filled with something. We're all controlled by something. A lot of us are controlled by our emotions. And so in this verse, they were filled with filled with fear. That means they were controlled by fear. All right, in Luke 6, 11, when Jesus restored the man's hand on the Sabbath, the scribes and the Pharisees were filled with what? They were filled with rage. Filled with rage. Have you ever met anybody that was just angry at the world? You know, they're not much fun to be around. I don't know if you, you know, to be a rage-filled Christian, probably not going to have, be a, be a big evangelistic tool. Um, but we can be controlled by our emotions, and the Bible says that we're not to be controlled by our emotions, but we're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Um, John 16, 6, when Jesus told the disciples that he would soon be leaving them, he told of their reaction, and he said that sorrow has filled their hearts. Sorrow. You ever met anybody that had just lost a loved one? What are they controlled by? They're controlled by, by sorrow, you know? We're not supposed to be controlled necessarily by our emotions. There's a time for everything, but we're not to be controlled by those emotions. All right? Taking these three aspects of the word filled that I've just um, talked to you about, let's, let's form a definition of what it means to be filled. Let's take these three um, facets. To be a Christ follower, that's, that's the first part. It's very important. We don't have the Holy Spirit unless we are a Christ follower who is completely influenced by, entirely permeated with, and totally dominated by the Holy Spirit. Important, the third part, third member of the Trinity. Okay? I want to ask the question today. Are you a spirit-filled Christian? Given those three aspects, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Better yet, are we a spirit-filled church. If we're a spirit-filled church, we're full of what? Spirit-filled people. Um, I go back to my first point, the main point that I wanted to make. If you're a spirit-filled Christian, it means that you are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of us like to think as, as in Christ as Christ my Savior. But he is just as much your Savior as he is your Lord. We like to, if we were to take a poll here today, and I were to say, well, who wants to go to heaven? Who wants Jesus as your Savior? Well, everybody would raise their hand, of course. Of course. And we believe that, and it's true. But when we say... I want Jesus as my Lord. I want Jesus as my master. I want to be dominated by Jesus. Ooh. 
Well, I don't know about that. You know? What if Jesus says, I want to determine where you live. I want to determine where you worship. I want to determine uh, how much money you give. That's a picture of Jesus being, you being under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, R.G. Lee, one of my favorite pastors, he said, I contend that if the Christian has settled his lordship issue, then all other issues in his life are also settled. When Jesus is Lord of a person's life, he will fulfill his duties, obligations, and responsibilities with joy. Joy, one of the fruits of the Spirit. I want to take just a minute and do a bit of an internal audit. This is for all of us, myself included. Um, I want to see where we're at with the Holy Spirit. Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Have we brought ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? This is going to be, this is going to be tough. I, I want to say this too. These lists like this, I, I love them and I love to make them and all that. They can be a little overwhelming and a little, um, just a little overwhelming to a new believer. Because we're going to go through some pretty tough stuff. I want to say here, if you're a new believer here and you're here in this list, I don't want you to get discouraged because Christ loves you, has a plan for your life, and he doesn't love some future version of you. You know, he loves the you right now, but he loves you way too much to leave you like you are. Okay, let's, let's go down this list. Now, I, I have less sympathy if you've been a Christian for a while, and this will really apply to you and me also. Okay, uh, first question. Do you and I have a hunger to know God? You and I have a hunger to know God. Ever, any of you been really, really hungry? Apply that to your Bible reading. Apply that to your, to your prayer life. Okay? Is my desire and my intent to give Christ control of every aspect of my life? Is that, that my desire? If it is, I'm, I'm well on my way to being spirit-filled and under the lordship of Christ. Okay, do we have an unquenchable thirst for God's Word? Is that a marker in our life? Is reading the Bible a part of our daily life? Okay, is my worship spirit-filled or spirit-less? I think that's right, less. Okay? You know... If you're spirit-filled, it's not, there's nothing saying that you've got to raise your hands when it's time to sing, but you might, right? There's nothing saying that you've got to clap, praise the Lord, but you might. You know, it can, you can certainly fake emotion, but, you know, oftentimes being filled with the Holy Spirit's result in emotions. Um, I just got back from New Orleans where we, I went through a week-long um, church planting workshop, and uh, the professor that taught it was from Nigeria, um, just a really great guy, loves the Lord, and um, he shared a story of a time when he was a missionary in, uh, in the Ivory Coast in Africa, and he was sharing a story with me in the class about the best time of worship, the most spirit-filled time of worship he's ever had. He was at a leper colony, 
in this country. And they were having church for this leper colony, and they were praising and singing God to God. They didn't have any instruments. They were just singing. And he said these lepers would just close their eyes and raise their hands and praise to God. And you could see the leprosy on their arms and their hands. And he said that they would worship and they would weep. And he said, he said, I've never been a part of anything like that. I've never cried like that in public. That's true worship right there. That's spirit-filled worship. Um, I'll share another story with you real quick. I just thought of this. There was a, I heard an interview for, from a pastor. He was a, a pastor of a large uh, multi-site church. And they were asking him about the interview process of people that they hire to be ministers. And he said, well, you know, it's a big church, so, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot to do with the hiring process, but I, get, I come in and ask one question. He said, he'll ask this question. He'll say, when was the last time that the thought of the gospel of Jesus Christ brought you to tears? When was the last time that the thought of the gospel brought you to tears? The fact that you were dead in your sins and Christ came to the cross and died and took your place on that cross and gave you instead his righteousness and, his, and your salvation and eternal life. And he said, guess what? If they can't answer that question right there, if they can't remember the last time the, the thought of the gospel brought them to, the tear, to tears, we don't hire them. I said, well, that's, that's probably a pretty good hiring process. <clears throat> Um, do you and I have a daily tenderness to the moving of the Holy Spirit? A daily, you, you ever cut yourself and it's starting to heal? It's, re, it's very tender. And you know, I, I always cut myself on my right hand. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I am right-handed, so I end up always cutting myself on the right hand. And so every time you put your hand in your pocket or something like that, you know that cut is there. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Are you tender to the moving of the Holy Spirit? Um, do we have testimonies of this tenderness? You know, do you have stories where the Holy Spirit moved upon you and, and, and asked you to be obedient in something? Or said, or, or, you know, or told you, hey, you don't need to be doing this. And you're like, you know what? You're right. You have testimonies of the Spirit working in your life. Okay. Is repentance of sin daily and even a minute-by-minute -minute experience for you and I? Repentance of sin is a true marker of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Right? Or do we justify and rationalize our sin instead of owning our sin in front of God in prayer? I'm good at that. I can talk myself out of just about anything. When you get down in, on your knees in front of God, there's no talking him into anything. Do we, um, in serving the Lord, this is assumed that we already are serving, okay? In serving the Lord, is it an honor or a burden? Okay? Is it an honor or a burden? Is obedience to Christ becoming more attractive than your sinful desires. You can boil Christianity and, and, and following Christ into two things, faith and obedience. They're like pedals on a bike. 
One goes up and one goes down. You ever try to ride a bike with just one leg? Doesn't, you know, doesn't, just doesn't work unless you get going pretty, pretty fast. Faith and obedience. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Okay? They go hand in hand, peanut butter and jelly, if you, you, know, if you like that. If you just like peanut butter, we'll pray for you. Okay, are we giving ourselves more and more to others, especially in order to win people to Christ? Whoa. You know, Chris preached a sermon to our graduates, and he said, if you just focus your life on loving God and loving people, that will not be a wasted life. That will be a fulfilled life. Is your love for people growing? And then the last one, real quick, is talking and listening to God the most important and precious part of your day. I don't use that word precious, but it, now that I have a daughter, I tend to use it more. But that's a picture of what it is. It should be a precious time that we get to talk to our Heavenly Father. He gets to talk to us. It's a very important part is listening, is talking and listening. Let me go back to the original point right here. And it is, you know, we, we want a Savior. God wants to be Lord of our lives. Okay? Um, they, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, Romans 10, 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. His lordship is just as important as the part that, of him that's Savior. I've heard testimonies of people getting saved. And matter of fact, we had people in this church that got saved at the last revival that said they got saved at a young age. They wanted Jesus to be their Savior, but they... Jesus never did become Lord of their life. You heard people say, you know, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. That's the testimony right there. He's Savior and Lord over our lives. We want to be spirit-filled. We, we have to remember that. I want to close right now with a, uh, a poem that I came across. I'm not a big poem man, but and this just kind of got me. Um, and it's by E.H. Swinstead. And it says, Lord of every thought and action, Lord to send and Lord to stay, Lord in speaking, writing, giving, Lord in all things to obey, now and evermore to be. That's, that pretty much says it all right there. So I want to talk to you just in closing, I know we've got some mature believers in here, but I don't want to gloss over the fact that it's very easy for, to want Jesus to be your Savior but not to be your Lord. Okay? If I went through that list and you, you haven't recognized any of those things on your list, if you've never said, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I've been controlled, dominated by the Holy Spirit, then there's a good chance that Jesus Christ is not Lord over your life. So we're going to have some music.
We're going to offer the invitation just like we do every Sunday night, every Sunday morning. But it would not surprise me at all if there was somebody in this auditorium today that says, he's my Savior, but he's not my Lord. I don't know what it is to be Spirit-filled, controlled by the Spirit, dominated by the Spirit. Let's pray.